Wendy Goldstein spoke to Fox 7 Tuesday, concerned because someone's pig had been going after her family. The 2024 Republican presidential primary field is taking shape. The battle lines are becoming clearer, and so is the field of candidates. Is the odds on favorites, if you look at the polling, still Trump versus Biden? That seems to be it, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm more angry now, and I'm more committed now than I ever was. Big challenge for these candidates is going to be how do they navigate Donald Trump? And, and how do they navigate Ron DeSantis? You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough concern. <laughs> I mean, she's very upset. Uh, welcome to the Ruthless Variety Program. Uh, that's a hell of an entryway, isn't it, to yeah. a, nice, a nice Tuesday episode? I mean, it's a difficult concern. You know, you want to know which family is responsible for sending a pig after yours. You know? <laughs> like, what's the meaning behind it? Are you being targeted? Uh, we've had these problems for quite some time, Smash. Well, we sure have, and there is a very, very elegant yet simple solution to the problem. It's three steps, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Perfect. <laughs> if a pig is in your yard, you kill it and you cook it. It's that simple. It's bacon. Bacon, pork chops, ribs. You got everything that you might need, and it's all right there in your front yard. You don't think the authorities need to be involved? I don't think so at all. They can they show th up to the barbecue. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I have to. I have to ask because all of these clips. If you get a local news clip that starts that way, it strikes me that there's more gold there. Yeah. That we're missing. Wolf, do we have the whole news clip? I'd love to see that if we could if we can cue that up. I, I've got to see what else this lady's got for us. She describes the pig as 300 pounds, black and white spotted, and foaming at the mouth. On Monday, this 911 call came in. We have a random pig in our yard, and I bite my grandma. My grandma is being attacked by a random pig. Now my grandma's being attacked. There's a wild hog in the yard at that address. Mudstains and scratches could be seen on the door. Goldstein says the pig went after her daughter and disabled parents. My daughter got hurt out here, and then he barreled through. My mom wrestled with him at the doorway to try to prevent him from coming in. He barreled on through, got a hold of my dad. My mom tried to lay on top of him to crunch him down until the cops got here to get him. And he overpowered her and got on top of her. And he had her flattened like an accordion. I mean, I'm so glad that I asked for that. I'm so glad. Flattened like a accordion. Here's, here's something a lot of people don't realize. Pigs are, of course, very, very nasty, aggressive animals. They're also very smart. Yeah. So the idea that you can just adopt a 300-pound pig and just let it be around your house is a complete lunacy. And, and to be clear, like you said, this is one of those, like, domesticated pigs this is not one of those wild hogs yeah. like in texas that it, are causing all it doesn't problems. matter if domesticated or not like wild animals are wild animals yeah i mean it's insane it's they estimate the thing at 300 pounds but i still didn't get is this this wasn't was it a pet this was a neighbor's pet yeah black and white spotted it wasn't like one of those wild hogs covered in the brown hair you so know some, somebody thought they had like piglet but the, 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 yeah and the, they ended up with like a hyena like babe right, right. the the point i'm making is that there is no distinction. When a hog is that big, it is nasty I and did it's notice, hungry. I did notice that it went after the most vulnerable again amongst us. A hundred percent. It's going after the children and the grandparents. A disabled 
parents and the grandchild. You got you got you got to bring a hog like that down right away, and you got to feed the neighborhood. That, that, that's my question: is how do you not ki- like? Why is your first thought? I'm going to first try to block it from the door instead of just closing the door. And then, like, if you don't have a gun, it's time for the knives. Like, this thing is going to be like a stuck pig. They even showed the scratches on the door. The fig was like, what are they? They have hooves, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're not like a claw. It's like a hoof. Uh Uh-huh. It was hooving the door. Right. Coming after them because it knew that they weren't going to kill it. It knew it was safe. You can't let animals feel that comfortable around you. Look, they, uh, they said it was foaming at the mouth. So I think at that point you're well within your right, family pet or not, neighbor's pet, whatever. Foaming at the mouth, you got to take that down for yeah. the good of the neighborhood. Right. I mean, you got to get it, it's knives and hammers. If you don't have a gun, just crack that thing open. Like yeah. this is where neighbors stick together. Yeah. Right. Uh, Wolf, do we have any idea where that that clip came from? Is that like I mean, a Lano, Lano County? In uh, Texas. Oh, yeah, you're all over this. Yeah. Well, I did my background research here from the tweet. You've been following Wait, it. Where okay. in Texas is Lano County? I feel like it's uh, sort of central east. Okay. So uh, that's out there. Yeah, it's not Nagadocious, but, you know. Uh, it's, it, it, it's insane. The 911 call, like, there's a random pig here. Like, yeah. Hey. <laughs> Don't like, all the pigs. The out. random pig. The pig's out again. Like, we'll have somebody on the way. Right. You're out there in the... <laughs> You're out there in central Texas, and your first move is to pick up a phone and dial 911. I mean, it seems like that's one of the places on earth where you're well within your right to pull out a gun. Well, I would have thought like a a, a 30-06 laying around somewhere would have taken care of it, but I guess not. Uh, Welcome to the Ruthless Variety Program. Uh, We've started off hot here. Uh, We've got a lot going on. And first of all, I want to thank everybody for showing up to our live show last week. What an incredible time that was, wasn't it, fellas? Yeah, we had a packed house, and I mean, the place is rocking and rolling. Everyone's having a great time. Yeah, I mean, it was solid. Yeah, crowd was great. It's great mixing it up with people. Got to meet a bunch of people. Had a lot of fun. Katie Pavlich was awesome. Yeah, uh, Mary Catherine Ham showed she up. She was there. She was there. Yeah, I mean, we had we had a really good time, and that's what you get with live events. You're you know, if you're there to like you know hear every decibel of the debate. Uh, probably not the event that you want to come to. If you want to have a hell of a good time while everybody else makes fun of us, eh, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it really was a blast. And, and like like uh, we'd mentioned, so many folks came from all over yeah. the country. There were folks who flew in yeah. for this event, made sure to go say hey to everybody. And it's just like we have the best listeners. Yeah, it becomes it, so totally. crystal clear whenever we have a live event. A lot of people hung out afterwards. And, I mean, we got we talked to almost everybody who was there. And it was that was actually one of the coolest things about the whole setup for the event is that we did the show and then people just sort of stuck around. And yeah. we, we had a couple of pops with, with some of our really good friends A couple out there. of pops. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, it's fantastic. So I don't know if you guys felt this way. We'll get into the news in a second. But I don't know if you guys felt this way. But it was a hell of a sports weekend, right? You get that in the fall. You get the end of the baseball season. We had the Ryder Cup, which happens every two years. And I don't miss a single swing of that. You had some important football games, both on the college side and NFL. There was just a lot of stuff to take your attention away from the morass of life. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I my Twitter feed, every time I popped onto Twitter, it's like, well, this asshole is trying to shut down the government and this guy is, they're arguing on the House floor about it. And I was like, you know, I got such a good perspective of what it must be like to just sit in the middle of the country and then have your space invaded mm-hmm. repeatedly by absolutely unnecessary, t- 
totally overblown stupid bullshit mm-hmm. out of DC. Mm-hmm. Didn't you guys feel that way? I was almost like, I can't believe I actually have to, <laughs> I can't believe I have to take attention to, to read this. Yeah, well, I mean, I imagine the vast majority of this country is trying to live their lives. Meanwhile, uh, a, a Democrat congressman's like pulling the fire alarm, trying to right? get the House to break up so nothing can be done. Like, the it, it, it's the people who are sent to serve the American people are instead b- providing a headache to mm-hmm. the American They're like an impediment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just, it was absolutely, completely ridiculous. But, you know, we follow this kind of thing. And so we trust that you all didn't and shouldn't. But we will, and we'll provide a breakdown for you. So over the weekend, there was this big talk about government shutdown, the looming shutdown, which was seen as an inevitability for a Republican Congress for quite some time. They avoided one uh, in a short term extension one way or another but leading up to this we talked about it a little bit last week there's this small little cabal that's led by matt gates of florida that is seems more interested in trying to depose kevin mccarthy than he is about anything policy wise in this discussion and i'll remind people look for those of you who don't follow the ins and outs of Congress on a day-to-day basis, and I don't blame you because it's absolutely like, I mean, some of this stuff makes you want to disband the House of Representatives because it's completely ridiculous. But funding the government, like CRs, what they call it's just a continuing resolution, meaning everything gets funded at the same level it did last year, no higher, no lower, you don't get adjusted to inflation, for a short term is basically the most non-essential thing you could do government like it, it doesn't this is not something that is high stakes poker but it has always been since newt gingrich back in the early 90s and his showdowns with bill clinton elevated culturally culturally from journalists as the a d-day mm-hmm. you know like this is you're, the beaches of normandy every third week of <laughs> september mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. doesn't it feel like? And so like three months ago, everybody's like ramping up. Ooh, what about the shutdown? What about the shutdown? What about the shutdown? And it's like, I, I mean, first of all, it, it never it's never really mattered when we're in it. You shut it down for a couple of days. Don't shut it down. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You mm-hmm. shut it down for two weeks under Trump. It, they opened it back up. Some people got their vacations at Yellowstone fucked up. I mean, other than that, it's like, it is what it is. But they always act like this is the single most important thing that Congress can do. And I think a little bit of perspective is owed to this. There's a lot of really consequential shit that the House and Senate does on a day-to-day basis. Tons of stuff that the administration does regulatorily and by executive order that has very real consequences for the American people, the Fed, the Supreme Court, all those things. They have a lot of stuff. None of that shit is just like, well, we're not going to do anything, which is what a CR is. And yet every single time this is Everybody acts as though it's the biggest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. So you get congressmen who are clowns that because the cameras are on them and because all the journalists are acting as though that this is like the most important thing in the world, that they're like, well, adjust my bow tie. It's time to go to work and become the most important thing in the world. And like you were immediately reminded why it is that like none of these people should see a camera ever mm. in the first place. We've got major cities in a doom loop, and even Wall Street is trimming the fat to save their bacon. But not every investment is floundering right now. One of our longtime partners is actually thriving. That's right, because Masterworks now has 13 sales to date, 
That's five more sales just since we talked about them in December. And like before, every single sale to date has handed back a positive net return to investors. That includes recent net returns of 10, 13, and even 35%. As of 619, Masterworks has over 740,000 users and over $750 million invested. Masterworks has so much demand that paintings can sell out in minutes. As a result, they have a wait list. But because we're longtime partners, you're getting special access. So go to masterworks.com and use promo code RUTHLESS. That's promo code RUTHLESS at masterworks.com to join today. See important regulation A disclosures at masterworks.com slash CD. This is not investment advice. I mean, it's basically the quickest way to get attention. It's like, oh, I have something to say about the shutdown. Yeah. Every every journal in the building is going to come running over. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, the reason why is because it goes back to something you said at the very beginning, because Democrats and their allies in the media, principally their allies in the media, have made a determination that Republicans are at fault for any shutdown that occurs. Democrats are never at fault. So that any time that, that uh, a, a reporter hears the word shutdown, they're thinking, oh, my editor who wants Democrats to look good, our bosses who want Democrats to look good are going to like this story. I'm going to go and pursue Republicans who are making this happen. And too many Republicans play right into it every single time. Half a dozen played into it this time. And they're playing into it because they, there's no jeopardy of them losing their seat. They don't They don't need to, like, get a vote of anybody. Like, they, they don't even respect their constituents. They know that they're going to be, be reelected over and over and over again. Their jobs are just as reliably safe as every bureaucrat who they never hold accountable because they only think about themselves, not what's actually good for their constituents. So I think that this is a problem that will continue to happen because Republicans take the bait over and over again, and they constantly play into what the media wants. I mean, I I agree with that. I I think it's also worth noting, though, that during a, you know, a fight like this where you got a razor thin margin in in the House, you know, if you're a member of the House of Representatives and and you're trying to extract something as leverage for your vote, now's the time to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, so you can understand. But it's got to be a real thing, correct? And I and and I know what you guys are saying, and obviously I agree that what we saw was just, you know, ass clownery. <laughs> um, but but you can understand if you're a frustrated member of the house and there's something you want to accomplish or a priority that you have that this is the time where you can extract something for your vote. So yeah. I, I I get that as an individual member being like, all right, now's my time to get a priority that I think has been on the back burner thrust to the front. Yeah. Uh- no question about it, because the media treats it like it's D-Day. Right. So now is the time for you to do that. But like they're all talking about the big deal that, that happened back on the debt ceiling where he made a deal, uh, McCarthy made a deal with President Biden about where they were going to cap appropriation numbers. And then there were some Republicans that, despite that deal being done, didn't feel great about that. So they decided to go a little lower than that. They put that on the floor and everybody sort of disagreed with that. And then they talked about, oh, regular order, we need to do regular order, individual appropriations bills. And I just looked, all 12 of these things have had action in the committee level, all 12. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's actually Republicans that are the issue with whether or not these have been sort of pr- 
processed or not. If you want regular order, it's right out here in front of you. Mm-hmm. Like you could handle it at any time. Like don't blame Kevin McCarthy for that. You all should just handle it. But then on the other side is you've got this Matt Gates contingent that is hell bent on just making this about Kevin McCarthy. And we said this last week. We we by the way, if you listen to that episode, everything that happened last weekend, you knew six days beforehand. Yeah. I mean, because that's exactly how, the way it all played out. So Matt Gates then says, okay, well, I'm going to have a motion to vacate, which if you recall, this is one of the things that was conceded in Speaker McCarthy's initial election to a crew that ultimately ended up, many of whom voted for him, was that they would reinstate a policy that allowed any one member of the House of Representatives to bring up what they call a motion to vacate, which means the whole House needs to vote either to expel the current speaker or to keep the current speaker, mm-hmm. which is incom- incredible, like dumb fuckery at its highest level. The idea that you go through the whole process of an election to elect a House Republican majority, you elect a speaker, and then you need to constantly be having a referendum on you for two years in order to actually do any business. Like, yeah, that's it's, not yeah, the way it works. And it's like, hey, voters, we can't govern. Yeah. Look at us. Reelect us though. Like never, yeah. Like never mind the fact that that Joe Biden has got open borders, a shitty economy. He can't string two sentences together. Honestly, should be in a nursing home at this point. You've got a Democratic Party that is completely rudderless. Yeah. And if they have a message, it's like we don't really care about working class Americans. And we're like, you know, no, let's let's fail the basic competency (laughs) test ourselves we well, well, yeah. here to play devil's advocate for a second so we do see these problems like very glaring issues like the open border that this administration is doing nothing about and given that this is a moment that gets intense you know media attention and that you can use this to twist arms and get what you want for your vote yeah why not say okay if we don't if we don't get the border under control you're not getting my and, vote. And, but, but, wild, and i'm but with what's you wild about that to me is that they didn't do that Right. It's not like they were like, I insist truckloads of razor wire to the Rio Grande, machine guns to the rest of the border, and panels up everywhere else. Otherwise, I'm not going to vote to fund the government. Mortars to the they border. Did, they didn't do mortar in it. They didn't do any of that. So, so from the Associated Press story here, more because Smug, I, I, I was sort of insinuating the same here earlier on in the segment when I was like, like, look, if you are trying to extract something like border security or something like this is a a a a moment of absolute leverage where you can force something in there. Maybe the whole party picks the one talking point, the thing that they need to do. Maybe you get that accomplished. And, and then further, feel like you this. could peel off like you're seeing in New York right. City now. That town is fed up yeah. but, with the illegal immigrants. But, we're like, but, the governor's like, I'm sick of this. We're, we, we're full up. Send signs to the border saying that New York City is full. Like, you could even get reps in the state of New York, the, the Democrats there. But from the, from the article, on Friday, McCarthy brought a short-term plan to fund the government that would enact steep spending cuts of nearly 30% to many agencies and strict border security provisions. But that was deemed insufficient by some Republicans, <laughs> and 21 joined every Democrat in voting against the bill. So there you go. That's the problem. That's the problem. I mean, this you, is what we, we have outlined. One, we have one house. <laughs> this is what we outlined. This and is we're what like we outlined ruining. last Tuesday. If you can't play team ball, remember we talked about this. Yeah. If you can't play team ball with a small majority, all you're doing is allowing Democrats to have leverage to water down what it is that you want to do. Yeah. Now, I understand the team ball is a moving target. It's very difficult to get 218 votes on the same page for anything. But it looks like they had 200 votes, very damn close, for 
something ridiculously more conservative than what they ultimately got. And the people who didn't want to vote for it were the quote unquote conservatives. Right. There was, so you tell me how right, that works. Right. There was a time kind of at the rise of the Tea Party and a lot of leadership people were very frustrated at this moment when the Tea Party members who came into office thought their their mission is to move Republicans to the right, to make the Republican conference more conservative. And that doesn't appear to be the goal of this current cabal. It's like it's, it's not like, the same. It's like I'm out for myself and you know, who cares who cares what conservative things are accomplished? It's very different and it's it's it is it's just not as effective. It, yeah, it used to be get the most conservative best deal you can get that will pass. Yeah. And now it's you'd rather lose and whine and complain that you got nothing rather than moving the ball forward. Yeah. I mean, I think that is the funda fundamental problem we have right now with some of these people in our party. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I'm just happy there was good sports on, to be honest with you. Because yeah. I like having to live that day to day. It just brought flashbacks. Of I'm very proud of your Vikings getting their first win. Oh, it's very nice of you to yeah. come proactively congratulate me. Mm -hmm. I was sorry to see the overtime loss for the Indianapolis Colts. It felt like found money, though, because when you're down 20 <laughs> points in the first half and you're just like ready to turn the TV off, when they come storming back, it's like, you know, it's it's like you didn't think that was happening. So you you just feel good that you still have something to care about. Well, you cared about it. And you Smug had something to care about when you had well, Russell Wilson lead against a formidable Chicago Bears team, <laughs> lead uh, in a historic comeback. See, that's the thing is I don't want the Broncos to win. I, I mean, <laughs> Let's, you want regime change. Yeah. We got to keep tanking and, and hopefully we'll get some draft picks and it becomes abundantly clear that like everyone's got to go. Like a little league team can field better, you know, more competitive professional sports than the current Broncos. Like, <laughs> like okay, like he, he landed a like a Hail Mary the other week, you know, like this guy's career is a Hail Mary. Like he's just hoping he can throw a lucky pass, but he's got them, you know, stuck to a hundred million dollar contract. I'm like, I want them to keep losing. So it becomes apparent. You just got to throw everybody out. Someone just has to put a little yellow cake uranium in his locker. 100%. And Condi will find the solution. Yeah, yeah. We found it. He had it. I, I don't even know if I want to bring it up uh, at all with your, your Cincinnati Bengals. I will note a lot of talk coming into the season. Yeah, it was it was a very very tough week uh, for the Bengals. They're, they're, they've got to do some really deep digging and figure <laughs> out what's wrong. It, it 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 starts with the offense, but it's not all about the offense. The defense shares their uh, their. I think Burrow's a punk. He like got high on his own supply. Do you he see that? It's meme? All about him. Do you see that meme of Macaulay Culkin? No. Yeah, it was just a picture of the mugshot of Macaulay Culkin that said Joe Burrow after he got paid. <laughs> well, they've got they got they got a lot they got a lot to figure out, and I think that even Burrow would would admit that a lot of it rests on his shoulders. You know, he's got I doubt a calf he would. injury. He probably wouldn't. He's a bum. I think the calf is more injured than they're letting on. Yep. Yeah. It could be. It Does, could be. I mean, you see, he's he hasn't been under center at all this season. Everything's out of shotgun, so it's a one dimensional team. And Duncan was, had a lot of a lot of noisy complaints about the number of comments that to, to deal with the Bengals in the run up to the season. Yeah, Duncan, are you are you pleased that there's been a recession in those discussions? No, I want more discussion. No, he Bengals wants now. more. No, well, how about sort of like, why don't we sort of like a like you know a magnifying glass over an ant? Why don't know? we Why don't we start with this? The Bengals beat the Rams. Oh, yeah. Not in the Super Bowl. Oh, whoa. <laughs> but two weeks ago in the regular season, you didn't even have to go to overtime. Congratulations. <laughs> All right, back to the back to the 
the spinach for a second. So one of the most hilarious things that came out, and this is where I kind of lost it, guys. Like, I'd been following the shutdown and, like, what everybody's doing, and all the insane, overblown rhetoric about literally just keeping the lights on in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And Democrats had a problem mm-hmm. because they didn't, there was like just a CR and they were like, oh, we want to delay and think about it and take a caucus position. And Republicans are like, no, we're going to vote on this to prevent the shutdown or whatever. And this guy Bowman, this rep Bowman decides to roll out and pull the fire alarm on the joint. (laughs) So, so this is according to, I mean, this is an insurrection. Disturbing <laughs> a proceeding of Congress. Yeah, that's a felony. Five years in prison. Well, in 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 technical technicality, it is actually interfering. Yeah, uh, well, it's beyond technical. I mean, that's just law. I mean, we follow the law sometimes in this country. It's only you know when Republicans are in trouble, we follow the laws in this country. But Democrats basically can do it. This is a prime example. I mean, look at this image. This guy knows what he's doing. I mean, he's been in there. Like I saw all these uh, Democrats trying to make excuses, like. How would you know that the big red lever that says fire on it next to the door isn't how you open the door? <laughs> the- the, even worse is that Bowman was a school principal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like- he knows damn well with pulling the fire alarm. Right. Like. He's dealt with that before. But he was like, all right, so they, they first of all, he pulls the thing. The fire alarm goes off. I don't know whether that actually delayed anything or not. I'm sure it did at it some level. But, but either way. He, then they're like, well, there's photographs and there's video of you doing it. First of all, he was like, no, we didn't do it. Yeah. And then and then they're like, yeah, yeah, no, here's you you pulling it. He was like, oh, I thought it was the way to open the door. Yeah. And then a reporter. Right away. Job right away. And uh, for Punchbowl walked over to the door and took a picture of what he pulled. And it literally was your classic cherry red right. fire alarm stated clearly across it with the white classic pull down lever yeah and like, it could was, not be confused well, John, for and from that image there's even a sign that says that like this door is only for fire emergency <laughs> right <laughs> right well john bresnan wasn't the only reporter with a take there were some that basically ate up whatever his press secretary was sending and regurgitated it on air. For example, there was a woman who said, quote, Congressman Bowman didn't realize he would trigger a building alarm as he was rushing to make an urgent vote. He regrets any confusion. Just to clarify some things on that. That was MSNBC. Who's that reporter? Yasmin Vazajojan. Oh, Yasmin Vazajojan. Yeah, I'm, I think I might be saying the last name incorrectly. Oh, it's not a household name, evidently. I mean, it's unbelievable that like you had the press essentially just line up with, first off, the, the story that his team was trying to put out there. I saw this great tweet from Charlie Spies who was like, it's not every day you get a press secretary to admit that their member committed a felony. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not the statement you want to put out, like official record. Yes, we acknowledge. Well, I was trying to figure out whether it was worse to admit to a felony or admit to like, you don't know what the bright red fire alarm button like yeah. that you were taught in kindergarten. Yeah. Is the thing that you pull if something literally is you're looking at fire? Yeah, yeah. not guilty by reason of stupid. Yeah, like what they're trying to play. Oh, I thought it was just you know the door handle. I mean, it's just so, it's so All door handle fire. It's tough. We need that meme uh, of the guy sweating in the two buttons, and the one is felon, and the other one is moron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy, I mean, this guy does. He can't stay out of trouble. Yeah. It seems like this guy every couple months we read about something. I mean, He's looking th- for, th- it. and that's why. 
And that's why. Like, we keep reading about this, and there's never consequences. So, of course, he's going to keep pulling bullshit. That's like the whole reason the Democrats are the way that they are in this country. You had an entire summer where they rioted and lit every major city on fire with zero consequences. And you even saw in New York where the governor gave like a, a, you know, a blanket pardon that like, oh, if you were part of the summer of love, you know, it's cool. You know, you can you can riot, you can loot, you can set buildings on fire and that's totally fine. And then you have this very clear insurrection, this, this you know, uh, member who decides that he wants to stop the official business of Congress and God help us. Like that's just such a horrific and tragic thing that we have an insurrection here on our hands. And this guy's not gonna face any consequences. No, He's not, not at all. He's not gonna get thrown in a gulag with wolf you know, wolf viking. Not at all. Not at all. And and just to, to go back to the what this MSNBC reporter was saying, I think Wolf actually has the audio from Vanessa Vajojajin. Last thing I want to mention, and then we're going to take a quick break. Um, There was a mention of Jamal Bowman, Congressman um, Jamal Bowman, and the pulling of some sort of fire alarm. I just want to read for you some of the reporting so you understand what actually went on there. Um, There were some reports that began to emerge about Representative Bowman, who was um, seen pulling some sort of fire alarm um, in the Cannon House office building earlier today. We got a statement on that. Um, saying Congressman Bowman did not realize he would trigger a building alarm as he was rushing to make an urgent vote that Congressman regrets any um, confusion, just to clarify some things on that, because I know there was um, likely some folks kind of scratching their heads, wondering what it was they were asking um, Speaker McCarthy about. Well, helpful context. That that clears it up. Let me me read exactly what the press secretary sent to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you by the exclusive reporting of NBC, we are in fact on press release lists. Yeah. We can read what it is that these people send us. There is no easier job in this country than Dem press secretary. What what an amazing, but but this is the quote. Today, as I was rushing to make a vote, first of all, what are you rushing for? You're, You're literally there. It was a Saturday, right? Yeah. The fuck else you got going on on a Saturday in Congress? You're there to vote, right? Right. I mean, it's not like you're taking meetings. Right. Every, people, they don't have meetings on, on a, a Saturday. This dude's like hanging out, apparently under no interest in making. They, you know, they post times where you have to go vote. Mm-hmm. You couldn't uh, uh, effectively well, wrap his I mean, head you're, around that. You're a house member. You're like, come on, man. I was like taking a nap. What are you doing? <laughs> He's like, come on. I was living in my... It's living in my office. What do you expect? <laughs> I, I came to a door that is usually open for votes, but today would not open. Hmm. Um, the door had signs on it saying "Do not open," in ca- because it's a or unless it's a fire emergency. And it's always been like that. Like it's not like oh, they just changed the door a month ago to emergency door. This has always been the emergency. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, this is his office building. Yeah. It's like being on a plane and then like, you know, using the emergency door, going down the chute and being like, what? We don't always do it this way. <laughs> That's a normal door. Let me, just jumps say, out. let me just say as a absolute positive, every single time I've ever been in a house office building, I have wanted to pull the fire alarm and walk out one of those doors. You can see freedom. You just can't get to it. <laughs> and that's part of the problem with that place. You can't like they don't. None of those doors are ever open. So Bowman, having worked in that place for years, decides, well, today's the day. Today's the day. But the best part in my is like he pulls the fire alarm. It didn't even look like he turned around to then try to go out the damn thing. Mm. Like it was just a bullshit it's excuse. More, it's more, more evidence that it was, in fact, bullshit. Oh, man. I just. But this is this takes us back to the top. And my preface for all of this, 
it's 45 days of government funding. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, if, if you think that your moment in the sun, in the hundreds of years of this republic, and your, like, most important moment is happening with a 45-day continuing resolution over government funding, do us a favor, go back home. Go back home, sit next to the fucking where, library that you came from. Because this is, like, absurd how much emphasis these people put on this thing. It's absurd. It's an inconsequential vote. It really is. It's an in- I can't believe everybody's made it this big of a deal. They've now kicked it to December. There's some shit of consequence there. You care about Ukrainian funding. You don't care about Ukrainian funding. You you care about all this other stuff. Like That's a, that's a, a big deal because it's the full package. And like you said, there's one moment where you get as a congressman where you can effectuate change or not. I would argue that you should probably do that in the committee process of the, the 11 months that you were allotted mm-hmm. to make those fucking changes before you get to the end of the year. But now if you can't do that, if you have to, you know, if you had too many book deals and too many cable TV appearances to go on, and now is the time that you have to really make change, then look to December, right? I mean, this is just, it makes me so mad that this is the thing. I feel like the, about this, like I feel about Taylor Swift on Sunday night football. <laughs> it's like, I got it. I got it. Like, you all think this is a big deal. It's not a big deal. The, the game is a big fucking deal. Like, this is, it makes no sense that we're talking about Taylor. Why every two minutes do I have to look up and see the box where Taylor Swift is hanging out with what's his ass uh, and uh, Blake Lively? And, and they rigged it. I mean, the game was rigged because Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs are going to lose. So they're like, all right, well. Oh, you're talking about the holding call? Yeah, I mean, the game was rigged. So can I recommend, like, this is sound like an off. I've thought about this a lot after watching those replays and everything. You know, people always say, like, if you could change one thing about football, like one rule, like one process in the game, what would it be? And people are like, well, I'd get rid of, you know, um, extra kicks or whatever, or something like that. Legalized Just speed steroids. up the game. I've got a recommendation. I'm, I can't wait to object to it. Okay. I think uh, on passing plays, the quarterback should have 10 seconds to throw the ball. The play is whistled dead. What? That's a horrible idea. Can I explain why? I do not think there is a single play in the NFL in which a quarterback is scrambling and holds the ball for 10 seconds that holding is not occurring. I think it's happening on every single play. And so at that point, if you can't fucking throw the ball to somebody, the play's whistled dead. Or throw it. Throw it. Risk an interception. But to scramble around for 15 seconds, we're all supposed to pretend like those guys on the line aren't being held? Come on. I think it's the biggest myth of football is the idea that a quarterback can scramble 15 seconds and nobody's holding. Nobody. Nobody's holding. It happens on every single play. So I that that would I think it would fundamentally change the game and it would bring defense back to the football. 10 seconds. You get 10 seconds to throw the ball or it plays whistled dead. It turns it into dodgeball. Boy, 10, no, it was right, 10 seconds seems like an eternity. It is an Bengals eternity. Speak because Burroughs well, yeah. under two and a half seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Vikes ever got 10 they, seconds. They I, I'm, I'm not sure if you got pass out from priapism. <laughs> <laughs> but again, specifically to address, the, to address the Taylor Swift thing, I've said it before, this is all just a sign-up. This is 100% a sign-up. It's to sell products. It's to make the NFL get a larger audience. Bro, like, they, that's the thing I do not get. 
Taylor Swift does not need more audience. The NFL does not need more audience. The NFL Mon- wants more audience. Like Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football, like 98 out of 100 of the top-rated programs all year will be live football games. It's not enough. They want a larger audience, and, and the, like nationwide insurance guys up there with Kelsey's mom. I'm like, bro, state this farm. is a, a state farm. You know, yeah. this is this is a, a yeah. psyop. This is a hundred percent. I, I agree. Like, I agree with you. I just think it's the most petty psyop in history. Like any product I see, I will never buy. Now, I'll have nothing to do with this psyop at all. I don't support it. I know it's fake, and I know Wait, this. You saw Dan Katz from Barstool say that, like, look, I understand this is sort of a psyop, but if like. This is happening, and it has to be on my TV every Sunday. I demand a sex tape. <laughs> God, <laughs> which I think is completely hilarious. Like, prove to me that this is real. Yeah, right. <laughs> I actually like that now. It's a very funny take. That's good. Uh, all right, so let's talk pirates. You guys want to talk about pirates? We, it's been a while since we've talked about. Pirates. I have been waiting all episode for this. This is the best thing we're covering today. What, what is it? All right, so there's homeless pirates. Oh, boy. And they're, this is according Where? to Daily Mail. Not in Somalia. Uh, Daily Mail's got some great stuff, but this is really like they've outdone themselves. Homeless pirates are marauding through the crime-ridden San Francisco Bay. Oh, of course they're in San Francisco. <laughs> homeless pirates are now marauding onto houseboats in the San Francisco Bay in the latest criminal enterprise to plague California. Residents along the Oakland Alameda estuary told a community meeting last week the boats have been cut loose so that they can drift out to sea. One woman even recounted how she had rescued another resident on a sailboat in the middle of the night after pirates slashed his rigging uh, lines uh, during an argument. The brazen thieves, whose homeless encampments have spilled out into the city, are taking small-motored power dinghies. <laughs> <laughs> A small dinghy. Uh, and they're using them to smash and grab raids on larger vessels and houseboats. Um, this is so my take is, I think, going to be completely different than everyone else's. This oh. is good. <laughs> this is such great news. I'm so happy to hear this. You know, it, it says here that they're doing nobody this, loves a small dinghy like comfortably spot. Well, the, the, they're doing the smash and grabs on like larger vessels and houseboats. It's like. Raid those yachts, homeless people, because you know the people who own those are the ones who vote for like, oh, we got to get rid of cash bail, guys. You know, like it's all the, the, the like biggest problem with San Francisco is the class of like billionaires and millionaires there who think if only we legalize crime, everyone, everything will be safe. If like instead of trying to stop, you know, fentanyl, we just create these safe areas where people can shoot needles and sure that just means that kids are now having to get off the school bus and they see people who are nodding off or shooting heroin but i feel better about can myself I, can i can and I, they should face the consequences for a change can i challenge you on one point because i there's there's some wisdom in that but there's one point do we think the billionaires are on the oakland alameda estuary yes yes i mean th- so that's to me has also been one of the like shocking changes over the past like 10 to 15 years as Silicon Valley gets like, you know, wealthier and expands. Oakland has essentially become like a suburb of Silicon Valley. Well, like well can I get prices. a ruling on that? I mean, is that it's true? No, it's oh, not that true. Is true. He says that's oh, that true. Is true. I feel like we needed to go to a. Oh, no, that is true. And then and then these houseboats in the San Francisco Bay, 
I guarantee these are not middle-class San Francisco Bay. They're saying the Oakland Alameda Estuary. It, it says that the, seems to me to like it maybe right, they're cutting loose a couple of Lund eighteen footers. And when you, I'm just reading the, <laughs> yeah. I'm reading the headline and the first line in the article. It's in, happening right there in the San Francisco Bay. This is the this is your standard, you know. It's not like oh, you know, it's, it's look, the middle I, class I, family I, with I, their house with a boat on the lake. No, look, I'm I, I'm I have to side with Smug here because more from the article is um, that this has really impacted the community sailing center. An organization that teaches young kids to sail shared that four of their eight safety boats had been stolen, and police were slow what? to react. I don't know. I just I don't know a lot of poor kids or middle class kids who are taught to sail. Well, maybe that's an opportunity for them, Michael. Have you ever thought about that? I have thought about that. I hope it is. But unfortunately, because of the city in which they live, they don't get that opportunity anymore. <laughs> well, maybe because their parents vote for dog shit policies that empower criminals. I mean, I, I think those schools are an opportunity for those kids to pursue an exciting career in piracy. You know, like <laughs> well, they are teaching teaching valuable lessons it, than how to do it. How to be blackjack. Uh, Halloween's going to be lit in the estuary. <laughs> A lot of pirates. You're like, whoa, all these all these kids are really dressing up. They're taking in the spirit this year. Oh, my God. They're coming aboard. <laughs> They've taken my Boston Whaler. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess this seems like a problem. Yeah. But I, I, again, I enjoy whenever I hear things going bad in California. As Al long as the people don't move, don't leave that state, you vote for this, live with it. You let the misery continue. I hope it gets a lot worse, and 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 you get what you deserve. You, you're well, getting what you voted for. They've just they've just hired a brand new senator from Maryland. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna skip ahead a little bit, but that that's I think worth discussing. This is Lafonsa Butler. Mm -hmm. uh, as we know, there was the passing of Diane Feinstein over the weekend, uh, and Governor Gavin Newsom is given the power by the state of California to be able to appoint a replacement. Recall that during the course of his campaign several years ago, he had promised, much as Joe Biden promised with his first Supreme Court justice, that it would be an African-American woman. Okay. Yeah. Like it is, it is what it is. Now, they happen to have a Senate race going on for that very seat where there is an African-American woman running for Senate, uh, Barbara Lee. She was not the choice of Gavin Newsom, uh, who was the choice. LaFonza Butler is a uh, well, she's a resident of Maryland, for starters. <laughs> Second of all, she's the head of Emily's List. And if, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Emily's List, it is the preeminent pro-abortion political advocacy arm of the Democratic Party. It's a massive left-wing dark money group that just wants to push abortion and with, with, with no cutoff. No Zero cutoff. They're the ones that set the the uh, sort of zero consideration for anything. Like they're the ones that basically forced the hand of the Virginia dude with a governor. Yeah, who, who, where he was like, well, even after it's born, I guess uh, it's okay to have an abortion. Yeah, we talk, we talk while well, we keep it comfortable. We keep exactly. Talk to the mom and then we dad. have a we have a phone call with the doctor and Emily's list, and they say like, let's go. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then how do we like, proceed? Abort, no abort. <laughs> yeah, like you you make the call. The way I like to describe it to people is like. The the abortion lobby is what the left thinks the NRA is on the right. Yeah, the, you know what I mean. It actually is to really the left. Good. 
Great comparison. What everybody thinks the NRA is to the right. Like, it turns out the NRA represents a cause that the right totally agrees with in the Second Amendment. Yeah. And they've been a big, powerful organization, no question about it. But they aren't actively, like, selecting candidates and, like, primarying the hell out of any other candidate. And That's what Emily's List does on the left. Right. That's what they do. Yes. And they've turned Emily's List into basically the progressive lobbying arm and the political arm of the Democratic Party. And so you guys think that's why Gavin Newsom picked her over one of the over like there's like a million that was my black thinking. women in the state of California. So he picked this. I thought the story was that like Gavin Newsom has ambitions for even higher office and he wants to know number one that he's got Emily's list on board because like we said they're like you know the political arm of the Democrat Party that decides candidates, plays in all these major races. He wants to make sure they're on board. And further, by doing this, he's like, okay, well, I have a favor that I can call in to you. You know, when I make you a senator for, what, like 10 months, I guess? Yeah. Until they have have an actual election. Um, but but they, they, said, they bent over backwards to say that this is not a temporary pick. That she, if she wants to run for re-election, that she's more than welcome. And, 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 and I think that's the interesting thing is like this, the like intrigue here on the Democrat level of like why he couldn't pick mm-hmm. uh, Barbara Lee, for example. Or Karen Bass. Because of- Mayor uh, of LA. Like mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi supports, um, what's his name? Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff. So Nancy Pelosi's- you know, up in there like, hey, you cannot allow one of these other candidates, you know, that to get appointed. So then like they're an incumbent essentially in this primary mm-hmm. and that'll help significantly boost their chances. She, well, it does she's help with Adam Schiff. It does help a lot in a state as big as California because nobody's going to have the kind of dollars that it's that it necessitates to have statewide name ID in a state of 50 million people and media markets up and down the, the entire coast. So it, the power of incumbency does mean something. I mean, it means you're on TV all the time just as a matter of your job. But this goes back to, remember, we, we, you guys will recall last spring when Feinstein initially fell ill. Yeah. And there was nothing but like New York Times articles and all of these other things in sort of left-wing press, mm-hmm. like up in arms that she wouldn't resign. Mm-hmm. And like if you're just a, a sort of a consumer of the news, you'd think about that and you'd be like, well, this has got to be the first time I've ever heard of a mainstream media outlet being concerned about the service of a Democratic senator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like it's, they what, it's what Ashbrook always says. It's like if if somebody is getting a bad story out there about a Democrat, it's only to help some other Democrat. Right. And, and that's what it's it was, axiomatic. is that they were trying to get her to resign to get them to yeah. actually appoint Barbara Lee. In comes Nancy Pelosi. Who ultimately says like she shouldn't go anywhere? She's a legend, mm-hmm. of course, because she wants to get to the election where she can get Adam Schiff, Shifty Schiff, mm-hmm. <laughs> the watermelon with a toothpick, uh, onto the stage and have him be senator. So all this is internal politics. But what's so fantastic about this is that they've now re- literally on this woman Lafonza Butler's Twitter page is her residence in Maryland. Yeah, <laughs> just wild. Like yeah. what the? I mean, it's just there so are, brazen. It is. There are like we we checked that we checked the the data on this. There are well over one million black women in the state of California. I'm sure he could have found some competent person in this inside of the state 
who he who would have fit the bill of what he was looking for. There, there are 40 million people in that state. There, there, there are a lot of smart people. There's a lot of industry that is built up out of nowhere in that state, and that you pick somebody from Maryland to represent your but, place. But back to like Smug's point, and Wolf made a similar point before uh, before the show. Is like if you are Gavin Newsom and you think you actually might get a chance to run for president of the United States, and Joe Biden might step aside, appointing another black woman senator. And then stepping over Kamala Harris, maybe that makes the medicine go down a little easier <laughs> for the Democrat base. <laughs> you know, you think you uh, what are, are you suggesting that Joe Biden is going to knock Kamala off for Gavin Newsom? Or are you suggesting Gavin Newsom knocks Kamala off to replace Joe Biden on the ticket? No, uh, when you Look, say I, step over I, Kamala. I, right. I'm just wonder what you I mean. think what he's trying to do is build out a CV. Uh, for when Joe Biden steps aside and Kamala Harris can't get anointed as the nominee, that he can say, "Look, I mm. I appointed a black woman mm. to the United yeah, States. Yeah, I've Senate. done what it takes. Then he can. And no one is a greater fighter for women than I. I or, mean, she or, was she was the head of Emily's list. Then he can get headlines just like Bill Clinton that says Bill Clinton was the first black president. Right. You, you guys remember <laughs> yeah. that? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Plus, it's just a, a healthy credential in the aborting children camp while you're at it too. Right. I mean, he's got it all going. Yeah. Can I ask an uncomfortable question about this? I just want to get your reaction. Oh God, Always. I'm worried. Well, you should be, because this is, I look, it requires some discussion, but we're the only ones that'll do this on the Ruthless Variety program. Everybody else shies away from these kind of things. So we, I also read in The Hill that she would be the first LGBTQ plus, I'm quoting, person to represent California, uh, and also the first openly black lesbian ever to serve in the Senate. Yeah. She runs Emily's list, which is a, isn't it just abortion? Yeah. Isn't there some incongruency there? Like, how, how does this? I mean, for a political party that speaks so much about lived experience, you know, <laughs> you would, you would, you would think somebody who was going to get pregnant would, would be the head of an organization like that, that says that it cares about women's reproductive health. I don't know. Because wasn't the previous president... Somebody who was like on TV talking about how they had three or four abortions, just Adam, them. Oh. Like, it, right? The, the, what was the, you know, the, the uh, uh, was uh, like Richards? Aunt, Aunt Richards. Is that, is that no, no, Aunt, Aunt no, no not Aunt. Daughter. Yeah. Uh, or granddaughter. Cecile? Maybe. Cecile, I think. Cecile Richards? Yeah. Right. Well, well you know what I'm talking part? about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then they're like, no, no, no. It doesn't seem like the best spokesperson. For I just don't understand. Like, this is the modern Democratic Party. Yeah. You don't ask questions about stuff like no. this. It's like, no, she checks like four identity boxes. So we're all set here. She's going to be the president of an abortion lobby, despite the fact that there's never any danger of her actually getting pregnant. And now she's going to be a representative of the great state of California because we've made the incredible choice to limit ourselves to, to only black women, despite the fact that there's what you said is 6%. Of the population yeah. of California is African American, yeah. yeah, seven. So, like you know, three or four percent black one. So th that's that's our policy there, yeah. Because that checks the right box, and she happens to also be gay, so that's perfect too. Uh, chick, 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 and like nobody ever says, "Can she be a senator?" Like I don't know her from Adam. I mean, maybe she's smart, but like, and that's the thing is, yes, that is the Democrats now. Is right, they check the boxes, and the reason 
she got picked is because she's a prolific fundraiser. She brings in the money. So that's it. That's all that matters to that. I mean, at the end of the day, the Democrat Party now is just a corporate entity. So this right? lady, this lady, right. to the extent that she tries to run for re-election would be like chairman of the DSCC in the next cycle. Yeah. I mean, like she brings in boatloads of money. And that's that was apparent to Gavin Newsom when he made that pick. Because knowing people who can bring in the money is all that it comes down to on their side. That's I all that matters. I think it's more, I think I agree with what you're saying that it's about money. But for Gavin Newsom, I think it's about just a little bit more than that because President in Gavin Newsom's backyard, he's got all the money he can. He's got all the money he he needs, but what he doesn't have is nationwide recognition among the pro-abortion groups and nationwide recognition that Kamala Harris seems to have snatched, whether she deserves it or not. And the the point is. There are much more qualified people in the state of California who are Democrats. Karen Bass is not somebody who a Republican would choose, but she's somebody who has earned the job. Like she she probably if Democrats were smart, she probably should have been Joe Biden's pick for number two. But she, I think, happens to be a little Look, bit smarter I, than Joe Biden. I, so I so that he may have. I, I, I agree with you. I just she's earned it. I think when it comes to California politics and in particular the Democrat Party, like I don't think there's a very strong correlation to being elected and being good at the job. Like, no. I think that's been quite clear that Kamala Harris, who couldn't yeah. get to Iowa, was selected as Joe Biden's running mate. After that, calling him a racist. That, that you have to replace a seat. Th- You've got 50 million people and you pick the Marylander who's the head of the abortion lobby. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I feel bad. Like, I, I thought it was funny we were laughing about the homeless pirates. I feel bad for the people of California. No. That you're the most populous state in the union, and you can't elect anybody worth a shit. Also, like, why has no reporter asked uh, this Senate, this senator, essentially, or soon-to-be senator, uh, do you pay income tax in California or not? Wait, is that, I think the answer is no. There's right? no gotcha that there's they no, can't get no, over. They right. don't give a shit. But they that's the thing. Registered to vote in Maryland. But they don't even ask the question. I mean, of that's the thing. Is, they don't even ask the question, and every voter in California is a sucker. Is that because that's they, what they you're are. getting? They're absolute suckers. Is there any? We're going to look into this, but I wonder if there is any sort of state law that requires you to be confined to your home state when you're actually appointing a senator. What, like if if I could just be like, I, I bet, don't know. She just has to I move back before she's issue. appointed. She just has to move back before she's that's officially it. appointed. That's it. That's now, all. Now, when she runs on ballot, yes, she has to have residency in the state. But for the purposes of the appointment, they can fix the glitch by her just moving back. But this is the thing. What an amazing I don't think, thing. Yeah. I, I, don't th- I don't think Adam Schiff and Katie Porter are going to go quietly. Schiff, it sounds like he's got already got $35 million in the bank. Katie Porter has already come at her ex-husband with mashed potatoes and like a broken <laughs> coffee pot. She's not going to just let this woman from yeah. Maryland waltz yeah. into the job she wants. Yeah, no, she'll hit the mashed potatoes. It's going to be sure. a bloodbath. Yeah. It's going to be a bloodbath. Well, I don't know. We're going to keep an eye on it. But I do find the whole thing just as a perfectly endemic problem within the Democratic Party that it just it illustrates everything that they're terrible at. Yeah. Anyway, uh, all right. So, look, we talked. Remember when we did the whole bumper sticker thing of the Bidenomics? Yeah. And we just made fun of it? Well, it turns out they're having some regrets. Oh, no. 
<laughs> it turns out that the all the branding, this is according to Axios, the Biden re-election campaign's decision to brand the economy under the president's name, Bidenomics, is looking like an early blunder that misread the public's deep <laughs> pessimism about how things are going on that front. Polling shows that Americans' overall perception of the economy is sour. Only 28% of the Americans said they were very or somewhat satisfied with the state of economy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, that's, that's not just like very like, boy, this is great. It's very or somewhat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like any positive feelings at all about yeah. what Joe Biden's got cooking in the economy. Don't. 28%. Everybody else is like, no, bad. Somewhat, <laughs> somewhat is terrific. Somewhat. somewhat. They, had to, they could only get it to 28 by including somewhat. Yeah, like, well, I don't know. I paid rent this month. Yeah. So somewhat. <laughs> this, this is. <laughs> Binomics. This is one of these cases. This is one of these cases where easy, good press for Democrats comes back to bite them. Mm. And. They know that if they come up with something and they sell it to the press, it's going to be at the lead of the Washington Post. It's going to be the lead of the New York Times without question. And they're just going to say Bidenomics. That's what's good about America. And sometimes they get out in front of themselves a little bit too far and it comes back to bite them. And that's that's the situation. I mean, again, like to, to not see. I mean, this administration has, like we've discussed before, they've tried to first say inflation's not real. And they said it's transitory and 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 they see this environment and their takeaway is to put on blinders and think we can convince them that everything is okay. If we just say Bidenomics, then you know what? Even our, our base is going to go out and carry the message and, and we're going to get at least half of Americans to pull the lever for us and and, and be brainwashed into believing because they, actually the economy is good. Like they don't even like, really need to believe it so much as they need to have an excuse to their neighbor. Which is what I think that their whole point of view is. Like their messaging is so laughably inconsistent with the record that I don't I don't think that it's tailor made to actually convince anybody of anything. I think it is just like they need to provide your Democrat a non embarrassing way to say that they're gonna vote for Joe Biden. And I, I think that's what they've come up with. I mean, Bidenomics, it's just a, like a it's look, so it's so if they dumb. walked into my office with it and I'm running that campaign and they're like, I got an idea. The economy, you've seen it. You've been, you've <laughs> it's seen, hard not to laugh. You've seen the 11% inflation. Uh, you've seen what we've done with the place. <laughs> Bidenomics. <laughs> I'm Jamal Biden, or Jamal Boat. I'm, I'm pulling the fire alarm yeah. on yeah. that thing. Right? I mean, I'm running out the back. But they're like, no, no, it's great. Let, let's work it into the talking points and do that. And I don't think that's designed to really... I don't think anybody would buy. I think they they're smart enough to know nobody buys that, right? It was like the comms team sitting around. They're like, you know how ISIS releases those tapes after they kill people and and they take credit for it. What if we do the same thing with the economy? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, sure, fuck it, why not? I think they're they're living in their own fantasy world. They live in their own planet that is not in reality. That's in Washington D.C. That gets positive feedback from every journal they talk to, and everybody's like, "Yeah, it's much better than everybody else says out there." We need to make sure people know it's better than they think. You know, like that's that's the feedback loop they live in, and it's it's. I mean, it's a cancer to their ability to actually deliver a consistent message. And if they had an opponent who was 
able to fight back, they'd be in real trouble. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me they're in real trouble no matter what. And and speaking of that, here's an added wrinkle to that. And Smug, I know this has caught your attention. RFK Jr. Super PAC preps him to run as an independent. This is according to Politico. A Super PAC supporting Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has begun polling his support as an independent, one of the strongest indications to date that a long-shot Democrat is set to announce a party affiliation switch. The poll conducted by the firm John Zogby Strategies and commissioned by American Values 2024 PAC comes amid growing speculation fueled by Kennedy himself that he'll leave the Democratic Party in the upcoming weeks. Well, that's an interesting Huge news. Huge news. I mean, uh, I think, number one, the approach that the Dems have taken to this of trying to just like ignore the polling where it shows that uh, in some polls it shows a majority of Democrats are not happy with their choice in the general election, a majority. And that Joe Biden didn't even, his campaign didn't even try to get his name on the ballot in Iowa is a prime example of just completely taking it for granted of like, no, 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 you know, we don't need to care about anything voters are concerned with or even show that we're trying. Um, Everyone remembers when President Trump was the incumbent, he was on the ballot in Iowa still. He made sure of that, even though, you know, it didn't have any actual value and there's no actual competition. He did it still. And the fact that Joe Biden's campaign has said, no, we 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 dis- we, we completely regard the voters, you know, with, with such disdain, opened up this lane in the first place. And RFK has garnered a ton of attention. Like anytime he is mentioned anywhere online, it's like it, it soaks up views and attention and discussion and they've tried to ignore him for so long and and essentially they tried to screw him by like saying we're not going to be allow this guy to have any sort of a platform um this is going to have a you know i think huge repercussions yeah, for the but, democrats but because getting, he's going to pull a ton of support look uh, getting a platform does get harder though once you choose this lane you know once you decide you're going to be an independent candidate outside of the two major parties you got to get ballot access. You know, you got to yeah. get a bunch of petition signatures to get ballot access in a bunch of states. It's a very expensive process. I totally agree with what you're saying, though, Smug, that the guy generates a ton of buzz, especially online. And um, I now mean, that's what you're seeing. Of, there are a lot of unlike like a no labels effort, for example, which has to go out and actually establish party access in a lot of these different states. Almost every state has a version of yeah. a third party with ballot access some are just independent party some are like new york has like five or six of them yeah right and and, and the whole joke of the independence party so you have an i next to your name but it's yeah. not an independent yeah. separate party some of them are a green party like the the yeah, idea but, but that you that's could the problem shop, but the, but but look because Cor- cornell west is running as a green party candidate already but he doesn't have a nomination and I think, yeah. and I think that's part of the issue is if you're somebody on the left, because this is they got to reap what they sow. What the left has done in a lot of competitive states is try to create these third line parties to try to edge out whatever Republican support because they can't win popular elections in a lot of these swing states, and so they create like Montana is a perfect example where they've had they've they have literally funded libertarian slates over the years in order to keep the Republican Party down so yeah. Democrats can actually win with 47, 48% of the vote. Like John Tester has never had 50 in his entire career. He's like running for a third term. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
you could hypothetically shop around yeah if you're kennedy jr to mm-hmm. try to do something like that what i think is a little odd about and this is the the, the result of their survey we should probably say is that they had uh trump at 40 biden at 38 and the independent at 17 um so if you're a democrat you look at that and you're like well looks to me like he's pulling it out of biden's hide I'm not really sold on that. Well, then then when they named the independent as Robert F. Kennedy Jr., it actually took points out of Trump. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's anybody's guess right now who he's actually taken it out of. There's a lot of argument to be made that he is taking something out of Trump because— I think he'd take a lot more from Biden. I'm not sure about that. I think so. I'm not sure about that because if you look at the support— that Kennedy Jr. has had. It's the Tucker Carlson wing of the Republican Party. People who are worried about the vaccine and the, you know, all the implications with that. I mean, distrust of government right. institutions. You've got, you know, theories about how JFK was killed. You've right. got, you know, all of these like various things that One, have encompassed the sort of far on the online. I don't even want to say far right because I don't think it's conservative. <laughs> But, but like the online right mm-hmm. has been encapsulated under the Kennedy branch so far. And I think in the Democratic Party, that doesn't hurt Biden. Independently, it may help him in some ways, if that sticks. Now, granted, you're going up against Trump there, which, again, if you are at all conservative leaning, it probably peels that back to a certain extent. I don't know. It's an interesting experiment. I mean, yeah, it, I just have a hard time thinking like look dude trump we we have seen in this primary through all of these indictments through him not showing up the debates and his huge polling lead that his support has a stickiness to it yeah. that not a lot of other politicians have i just have a hard time believing at the end of the day when you know even if it was rfk on the independence ticket or the reform party the constitution party or whatever in all these various states and then you've also got like cornell west on the green party ticket and maybe another third party candidate that at the end of the day you'd end up at you know with more votes taken out of trump than on biden mm-hmm. i mean but half of them don't want to be biden to be the nominee yep. yeah i yeah. just have to think at the end of the day it actually hurts biden more well that's my feeling i, I look it, it hurt hillary yeah. it hurt hillary in yeah. 16 by having a third party yeah uh particularly jill stein jill stein so anyway, we'll keep an eye on that. That's an important development. Uh, lastly, and I'm curious about your uh, thoughts on this, Mike. NASA publishes a never-before-seen photo of Ravioli Moon orbiting Saturn. The National Aeronautics oh, wait, and what? Space a Administration. Well, I'll get to that just a second. What? <laughs> wait, but what did you say? It's a what moon? Ravioli. Ravioli? Yeah. Yeah. Can we get a photo of this thing up for for, for you? <laughs> I mean, there oh it. My. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Is that for real? Or did we make that? that no, up? that is it. No, it looks like one of those like nineteen fifties sci fi movies. Wait, where... we didn't make this up. No, that's real. That is that's the Italian homeworld. That's it right there. <laughs> Do you think that's got like a ricotta cheese center, or is that like? A... <laughs> you think it's a meat? It's a gobble. Maybe a meat. Maybe a pancetta. Oh <laughs> it could be a pancetta, but like if you get too much meat, you might be verging into like Lebanese. Oh, okay. You know, so I, mean, I, I, I commonly it's a cheese. Yeah. That we're dealing with with a ravioli type, or at least some kind of a mixture. Anyway, uh, NASA uh, dropped these uh, photos. And um, that's real. Yeah. It, it was taken from, it says here, the Cassini spacecraft. Yeah. So, I mean, this is legit. 
Like, yeah, it's like, real. That is, That's a legit thing right there. <laughs> the ravioli. <laughs> According to the space agency, the ridge around the equator uh, of Pan has uh, similar characteristics to Atlas, another moon orbiting Saturn. Um, do you feel like the name ravioli is indicative of anything in particular, Smug? Well, I mean, like I said, this is probably like this is this, this is the Italian homeworld. This is where all of it comes from, folks. You know, the mafia it all originated. This is ground zero for. So is New Jersey there like alien colony? That there? is where they landed. Okay, hundred percent. That's that's the situation. Wait, this is Chef Boyardee's home. <laughs> <laughs> This is him. Jeff Boyardee is an alien. <laughs> it's possible. I do think that this is kind of Polish erasure, though. Like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I look what? at that photo, and you I don't see a, see a ravioli. I see a pierogi. You see a pierogi. I see a pierogi filled with mashed potatoes, and there's oil on there, and there's some great onions. <laughs> it's spoken like a Pennsylvanian, right? You know, maybe you're going to have it with some Polish sausage. <laughs> And that's the thing. Uh, the NASA's Instagram posted this photo and said, For our Wilkes-Barre audience, yeah. they're all of a sudden incredibly tuned in. <laughs> it's, NASA posted that image on their Instagram and said that, uh, ravioli, pierogi, empanada, what do you see? Pierogi. That's ravioli. I see pierogi. I don't know. Would it change your, your view of the inhabitants of this particular? I mean, do we know? Is there life on this particular? Moment? I think we should find out, and I guarantee there's trouble. <laughs> <laughs> trouble. <laughs> Guaranteed <laughs> trouble. Oh, well, as you can tell, we're going to have a lot of fun this week. We will get down to business and play some games and do all kinds of things later in the week. We'll have guests that you'll love. Uh, but in the meantime, fellas, I think we kicked this thing off right, didn't we? I think so. Absolute banger of an episode. Gentlemen, uh, like you said, there's going to be a lot of exciting developments. You want to stay tuned for some special videos. So, until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.